mindfulness mode. Find one thing and stick with it. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to the show. You know that we talk a lot about fitness on the show, and and today that's what we're talking about as well. And it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm talking to a gentleman who has been uh, helping people, men specifically, uh, over 45. And we'll talk about more details about that when we get into the interview. But he has really made a major shift with some of his clients, and it's, it's pretty impressive, and he's got great creds as well Uh, we're going to talk about that and uh, he's just a very generous person who well get this he has a book which is awesome by the way the athletic advantage and all of his proceeds for the book go to a charity and wow I don't see that too often the book subtitled 10 lessons to becoming a premier athlete so my guest today is Aaron Hines. Aaron, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm ready to rock, man. I'm, I, I can't be any better. I just, I just got out of the sauna probably about an hour ago, so I'm ready wow. to go. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, Aaron, tell us what mindfulness means to you. I think for me, um, uh, I'll say be, being present in the state. I know sometimes it's um, being um, kind of in the moment. Sometimes it's hard, but just trying to take a deep breath. Uh, in stressful situations or finding things for me to uh, take a step back and kind of maybe recharge in a way. Um, there's a lot of pressure on what I do. A lot of stress comes with running my business and running, uh, managing family with my kids and sports and things like that. So uh, for me, it's just taking a step back, being present in the moment and finding ways for me to um, kind of move forward each day without things piling up. Yeah, Aaron, that's awesome. Your uh, website, premierperformancetrainer.com, is where we can find your information and everything about what you've been doing. But I, I just want to make sure that I'm clear on, on who you work with, and that's men 45 years old and older. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I work, I actually work with both men and women. Okay. Um, I'll find um, both, both the population. Um, or both men and women is kind of my, I'll say bread and butter. There, there's a, there's a fine, um, there's probably a big difference on the amount that come into my facility. Um, Cause if, as men, I have found, we, we kind of know everything and we want, we don't want other people to tell us how to work out or things of that sort. Not everybody, but yeah. I, I would say it's probably 60, 40 yeah. or, or 40% men, 60% women. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's at, it's at 45 and up range. Um, individuals who are looking to lose weight, uh, have more energy and live life pain free and living life pain free is kind of a big one. Cause, um, you know, waking up with aches and pains every morning is, is, it's, it's just not good. And so finding ways that we can work out and get better movement in and stretch and be more mobile as uh, human beings is, is kind of the goal, um, for, for what I do. So we, I can work with anybody. So 45 is kind of the lower end. And my oldest client's 81. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, yeah, when we talk about pain, man, there are a lot of people experiencing pain, and especially people over 45, but even younger. But what are some of the main uh, sources of pain that you notice that some of your clients have? Yeah, m- most, if if not all um, here currently, um, has been like lower, lower back pain. Mm-hmm. And that could be from... Um, I don't say twisting the wrong way or even just putting on your shoes the wrong way, putting on 
a pair of pants or reaching in the, you know, kind of in the January, February, March, reaching back to put your raincoat on or uh, just putting on a coat in general. So just those like sudden small movements that we do every day can really um, I kind of hinder your movement if you don't do it the right way. So that's that's some of the bigger ones I've seen. But I, I've, I've seen um, over the years, um, you know, double knee, double hip replacements to uh, neck pain, to shoulder impingements, to frozen shoulder, to, um, you know, uh, tearing your meniscus going on a ski trip or just being out in the yard uh, with your kids, maybe playing a pickup basketball game and rupturing your Achilles. So there's all these different um, injuries that happen that we don't think uh, will happen to us, but it's the it's the trauma that happened, you know, 10, 20, 30 years prior that's leading up to this this cause sometimes down the road as we get older. Right, um, yeah. Well, that, I know so. you, that you're uh, uh, based in the United States. Tell our listeners where you're based out of, because I know that some of the people you work with, you work with one-on-one and in groups. Yeah, so I, I'm based in Brentwood, Tennessee. So it's, um, I would say it's south, south of Nashville, probably okay. 20, 25 minutes, uh, depending on traffic, could be an hour and a half. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I'm looking at there. So I, I have a... Um, just a small 1500 square foot, um, semi-private, private training studio. Right. Very good. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about diet for a minute. I know that you work with people and help them lose weight. A lot of people have tried different things like intermittent fasting. I have done intermittent fasting myself for quite a long time. Do you find that that is a positive thing and that it works well for your clients or is it something you tend to stay away from? Uh, I'm under, so I would say it's for me, it's like, let's find something that's going to work for you. There's a lot of, and everybody's going to be a little bit different and that's coming probably from genetically disadvantaged or advantage, or your body's going to adapt or kind of, uh, maybe reject, uh, some of those things we try. Um, for me, I have not personally tried intermittent fasting. My wife has done it for the last two weeks and has lost almost eight pounds. Um, but for me, I, I would say, let's find something that's going to work and be successful because, um, you know, handing out a meal plan or, or getting real restrictive on caloric intake and counting your calories with we have busy schedules, is, it's just monotonous for some. I do it. I'm down almost 25 pounds since January. Me personally, I, I count every single day. <laughs> uh, I'm not as successful every day, but I try to be at least six, seven, six days of the seven. Um, so for some, it works to count sometimes weighing, sometimes it's just trying small little things. Maybe it's just fasting one day a week, or you're going to do that 18, six, uh, intermittent fasting where you fast for 18, 18 hours and then, uh, feed your body for six. So, um, I I'm under the, under the guidance of let's find something that's going to work for you and let's see if it lasts long-term because if it lasts long-term, then it's a lifestyle change, right? If, yeah. it, if it's if it's short term, then we're going to be, you know, you're going to be on intermittent fasting. And then you're going to try to go to counting your calories and then you're going to maybe try the, uh, I don't know, Weight Watchers. And then and usually it gets to where none of it works because we're not consistent enough. Right. So we, it's we, 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 mostly yeah. consistency that it boils down to. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah, it's consistency and it's going to be consistent. You have to say, I would say for eight weeks, 12 weeks something of that sort, enough time where your body's going to be able to adjust and adapt to it. Um, it's just like uh, 
I would say taking a new a new supplement or something like that. You're not going to yeah. have instant gratification. He may feel better, but long-term effect is going to be 30, 60, 90 days of that supplement or whatever it is you're taking or trying new. So it's the same thing with uh, diet diets, intermittent fasting, you know, carnivore diets. I've got some that have tried that or their friends have tried it. Um, you know, it's just what works for you is not going to work for me and vice versa, right? Yeah, exactly. So as far as food is concerned, what's your biggest weakness? Uh, man, my biggest weakness is pizza and chicken wings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's uh, any type of pizza, really. Um, uh, I've, I've been in the point where drinking a lot of alcohol and eating pizza and wings got me in a really, really bad place as far as like weight and unhealthy. So for me, um, I, I do that a little bit more moderation now. Because yeah. uh, nothing, nothing worse than a fitness professional trying to tell somebody how to lose or how to be healthy when, you know, take a look in the mirror. You're not really healthy yourself, right. uh, in my opinion. I'm just saying from my experience uh, with that. So that's my biggest thing. I don't do a lot of sweets. I'm not an ice cream guy. I'm not chocolate or candy. Yeah. Uh, so those are kind of my two, two choices. Well, you wrote your book, The Athletic Advantage. And uh, what brought you to the point that you were ready to write that book? What was the major message you wanted to get across? I, my biggest, uh, probably more inspiring people that um, coming back from injuries or like oh, maybe self-limiting beliefs would, um, there's a lot, lot of things that we, that happened to us along, you know, maybe it's just more of a sports journey or life journey that we think we can't do. Um, so it for me, it was more trying to inspire either younger athletes or just people in general that, you know, you can overcome a lot of different things and you can push through. And, and as long as you have a plan or you have people around you uh, to be, you know, maybe a, a little bit more of a push that anything can happen and you can be successful uh, with that. A lot of it's from my own personal journey, um, coming from maybe, um, as, as the kind of, um, beginning of the book, my college coach wrote, I wasn't probably the best athlete, but, um, I showed up, I did what was asked. Um, and, um, you know, I learned a lot of things from that, but for most, it's just being told they can't, they can't, they can't. And I've been told that a lot. And that's how I overcame, uh, you know, not being the greatest, becoming a collegiate athlete, but also, running my own business from people telling me I couldn't do something. So I'll use that as a little bit of motivation um, every day, not just, not just weekly, but every day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Tell me about your life as an athlete. Oh man. Uh, so I started probably playing uh, sports in probably seventh grade. Um, okay. With that, you know, I, I was more of a, um, Football, probably football more centric uh, for that. But uh, my parents were under the kind of uh, guidelines. If you didn't play sports, that you're going to be in either theater arts or band um, because they didn't want us sitting around playing video games all the time. Yeah. Um, so so I learned my lesson there. I, I, I didn't play sports for a year and I was in the band and that wasn't my wasn't, your wasn't thing? my it wasn't my thing. You know, it was it was it was pretty, pretty awful. My brother played the trumpet. My other brother played the saxophone. And I played the trombone, and so uh, it was a lot, of, lot well. of noise, a lot of noise making. Yeah. So, uh, so, so well, as a music uh, teacher, I hear you. Yeah. You know, I know that some people it's really their thing, some not so much. So then you transitioned into football, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I tried it, right? So uh, that's, yeah. that's the big Good thing. So, so, so football, and I, I wrestled. Um, you know, I was 
probably my freshman year, I was freshman year of high school. I was probably six foot, six one, about 170 pounds. Um, you know, probably had no reason or no business being on a field trying to tackle somebody. But it really, really um, tried wrestling. Uh, it was more of mentally. I wrestled up north when we lived in North Dakota for a while, and I really mm -hmm. liked it. But I just never could get to where I was um, not mentally tough enough to overcome those three two-minute rounds of wrestling. Uh, I was asthmatic, so that was a little bit harder for me mm -hmm. um, to kind of get my wind and stay in enough or better shape to, to, to be successful to last all three rounds. And so I ended up just kind of pushing everything off to the side. And after my junior year, I really um, started working out. That's really the first time, you know, I, I would go in the weight room freshman, sophomore year and do a couple things and leave, but nothing real consistent. So um, that's kind of where I got hooked on playing, playing football. And then um, I got to be pretty decent, made some, you know, local, I guess, awards or what are going to call it, all regions and I never made the all state, but I got one offer from a small school in Tennessee uh, called Lambeth University. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I it was an NAI school. And at the time I had no idea where it was. I literally woke up on a Saturday and, and rode with a friend of mine to orientation. My parents were going to go because they were like, you're not really serious. So we're not going to take you up there. So my buddy and I drove to orientation and we're like, we're, this place is in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. like on the other side of town, um, never heard of it. And I get there and it's like probably about the size of my high school campus uh, with it. So I sat through orientation, came home and I was like, yeah, what the heck? I'll try it uh, with that. So I, I, it was probably two. Yeah, it was probably summer of 2004. Um, I ended up reporting to uh, camp um, and camp was, I think, July through August of the whole, you know, two days, you've got to be in shape. So I show up all through the summer. I'm working out. I'm, I'm busting it. I'm going to work out with a guy. I was a former bodybuilder mm -hmm. who, you know, I go to work from, from six to like three, go work out from four to six, go home, rinse, repeat for seven, you know, seven days a week. And so I was in what I thought was the best shape I'd ever been in 19, 20 years old. So I show up and day two is, you know, run test, lift test, see what you're made of, see if you can actually do this. Yeah. Um, and I was the only, and I, I take, this is my only pride and, and joy of college football. I was the only offensive lineman to make my lift test, my run test, and all the other testing. So I felt good about my conditioning and how college sports was going to propel me to the next level and I was going to be awesome. Um, but there was, you know, from there, there was a lot of learning lessons of, this sucks, man. This is this is work. This is a lot of uh, 5 a.m. workouts, getting up early, not sleeping. You're so tired on the weekends, you just kind of watch TV. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had success in, in my eyes of like, I made it. A lot of kids don't make it to college to play sports. They quit before they get there. So I was like the, you know, maybe 3% or 5% to get there. Um, and, you know, I I had an injury after my freshman year and ended up um, taking about a year to recover. I, I got back, rehabilitated, and I, my sophomore year uh, got through, and I was ready for my junior year, and coach was like, he gave all the scholarship money that was available to other kids, and I was like, coach, like, what's the deal? I've, 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 I've showed up, I've practiced, I've done everything possible to be, you know, maybe a one or two on the, on the team. W what, what gives? 
and there was nothing. There was no help. There was no, um, there was really no answer. So I just politely said, that, I'm sorry, coach, but I'm, I'm going to have to leave. So, so 2006 kind of wrapped up my, my, my college playing career. Uh, any regrets? No. The only thing I regretted was not taking my football helmet or jersey for proof that I actually played. Uh, <laughs> with that, but a lot of those, a lot of those experience I had, they're, they're in the book as far as like overcoming injuries or self-doubt or things that people told me that, you know, I wasn't good enough and things like that. So a lot of that's just proof in the book that, you know, if, if you, um, can stick to the plan and do the things that people tell you that you can't, you can be successful long-term. And yeah, I think right. that's kind of where, where I've, I've been. Um, so far, you know, fast forward to now, there's a lot of, a lot of people that said, you'll never do this. You'll never do that. And I'm, you know, just kind of smiling in their, um, you know, rear view mirror, like, look at me now. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and you work with specifically a certain group of people, which I think is a really awesome thing. Mostly older people over 45 years old. Uh, what, what made you choose to do that, to work with mostly people over that age? Yeah, I, that's a great question. So I'm I'm 37. Um, so it's like, what do I know about people 45 and up? Um, I know a lot more than you probably think. So um, that population for me is the ones who have uh, maybe tried everything, um, all the other gyms in town, all the other hottest and latest things like your online, um, you know, video training or your boot camps or things of that sort. So at that age and time, you're either your kids are a little bit older, you have a little bit more flexibility. Um, you're not looking for something to completely destroy your joints in your body because you did that in your early 20s and maybe mid 30s. Um, so for me, I thought that was kind of the gold mine of clientele that need my help. Um, mm -hmm. They want to they want to work out. They want to do. They don't want to run laps around the building. They don't want to do burpees. They don't, they don't want to do. They don't want to be yelled at during the workout. They want to be talked to like human beings. They want to be educated. They want to be uh, taught how to do things. And they want to come in and uh, do the work for 45, 50 minutes and then high five you and come back the next time. So that's where I found kind of my sweet spot on that 45 plus. Um, and I would say probably now is about it's kind of wiggled up to about 50, 50 and up. There's a few 40, yeah. 45, but you know, most in that age range. Um, need help and they want somebody to tell them what to do, how to do it properly and how to be successful with a plan, right? Yeah. Well, you've got the personality for it. You're authentic. You just come across as being real and, and you, you care about people. You have this passion for sports and exercise. So then you have really have the knowledge because of your degree and everything. And I just think, wow, you, you're really doing great things with all of this. So this is fantastic. So what do you think about Pilates? I notice a fair number of older people do that. Do you find that that's a, a helpful thing for people over the age of 45 or 50? Yeah, I do. Actually, um, I have a, a few clients who uh, take Pilates more for joint range of motion and uh, flexibility. So I, I, deal, I deal with a fair amount who um, have just from different surgeries have restrictive movement. So there's um, only certain things that we're maybe able to do um, based around those uh, joint mobility issues. Or uh, for instance, one of my long-term clients, she's got double knee, double hip replacement. So the Pilates and being on the performer can actually uh, 
push and extend my increased range of motion for her. So like when she's um, not doing stuff for multiple days in a row, those joints get super tight and stiff. So her gait becomes pretty, uh, not, I'm not leaning, but it's, it's, it's ab abnormal. So the Pilates mm -hmm. once or twice, uh, I think she goes once or twice a week has really helped increase range of motion, preventing her from getting like pulls and strains in her muscles, but also um, just putting it, putting them in positions that they're not normally in. And I think that's super helpful for people to kind of go outside your comfort zone and try something new um, because the, the strength training is going to be long-term benefits, like exponentially awesome. But if you don't have flexibility and mobility through your joints and the strength trainings, you know, it's not going to be as beneficial because everything's going to lock up. You're going to be stiff. You're going to be hunched over. And then usually you, you start to get a little bit more injured or injury prone due to yeah. those, uh, that stiffness. So yeah, I think Pilates is great. Yoga. I've got clients who go to yoga. Um, cause those are things I can't offer. I don't, I don't offer, I, I can stretch you, but that 60 minutes or 45 minutes of yoga and Pilates flow is going to be more than I can offer, which I'm all right. for it. I'm all for it. I mean, I started going to the sauna and doing the cold plunge. I mean, it's whatever works. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. How long do you stay in the cold? Uh, I lasted four minutes. That was all good. I could do. <laughs> well, that's enough. That's that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It, it was plenty for the uh, first time I tried it. I was like, ah, I don't know about this one. So, oh yeah, because um, it takes time. Yeah, definitely. It did. Yeah, just like anything else. I mean, if uh, you know, time is is good, and if, the more you do it, the more successful you become. Yeah. Um, staying a little bit longer or being more consistent with it. Yeah, I love love the cold, and I really totally believe that it can make you feel more vibrant and more alive, and and just so much better. So yeah, I wrote down three words before your interview. Well, I wrote down a whole page of notes, but I mean three main words. I'm like, I got to cover these things, and one of them is balance. And you talked about it a bit about the the Pilates, but as we grow older, you know, our balance becomes a real issue because a lot of people end up falling or something like that and then they're injured and uh what can you do to help people with their balance as they grow older yeah that, that's a great question and a lot a lot of things um, i try to incorporate into the um training aspect with that so the biggest thing is uh for me is you you've got flexibility mobility you got balance you got strength and you have conditioning right so we can have those kind of four i'll say four pillars to kind of um, work hand in hand we're going to be more mm -hmm. successful so uh, whether that's single leg, um, single leg holds or um, freestanding kind of balance holds, uh, whether that's not hanging on to something, um, uh, closing one eye. I do a lot of that closing one eye or closing both eyes, proprioception. Um, uh, some things I do seated, um, seated balance. You don't think about if we're seated and we take our feet off the floor, we have to, one, stay neutral, engage our core, keep it everything kind of upright and erect. If not, we tend to lean forward or, or forward or we go side to side. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do. And I think it's, um, it's for everyone, as you get older, your balance gets worse and worse and worse. And you may not notice it now, but in five years, you'll notice um, going upstairs or going downstairs. That's, those are the two biggest things I, I deal with of going downstairs and hanging on to the rail. Uh, I want you to be able to not hang onto the rail uh, and that may sound like, oh, my God, I've never been able to do that. But if we can gain the strength and the coordination and the balance on that, you should be able to either hang, hang on slightly less or just put your hand on the rail to, to guide you slightly. Um, 
because it does get worse over time. I've had people fall in my gym, scary half to death, falling and just yeah. stepping off of something. Um, but if we can incorporate any type of balance training, sometimes I use like a uh, like a hand out, like standing on um, one leg, and we'll do like a little rope slams. Mm-hmm. Um, using that because that weight going forward is going to push you forward. But if you can set back and, and maintain your balance, you're going to be able to stay more upright. Um, other things like hand-eye coordination, like uh, maybe throwing like a tennis ball or having a ball on standing on one leg and maybe like bouncing a ball uh, with that. So if, if you can do that on one leg, you should be able to do it on the other. But you're going to think about one leg is going to be stronger than the other. So you may be able to do it longer on one side than the other, but the goal is to make sure that we're about 50-50, right? Which means yeah. 50%, we can hold it for five minutes on the left side and five minutes on the right side. And that's going to take time. But I think yeah. bal- balance is key. And, and you're right with that. If, if you can incorporate it yeah. just a little bit, it could be 30 seconds every day for a week, and then you go up to a minute, and then a minute and a half. You're going to see progress, just a matter of being consistent with it. Sure. And one of the other words I wrote down is posture, because as we grow older, we, you know, our posture changes. And of course, that's related to balance. But I've noticed that there are uh, mechanisms that you can buy. I've seen them on Facebook or whatever. And you, I guess you put it behind your neck or something, and it's supposed to help you with your posture. Do you have any knowledge of that? Or do you have any suggestions about posture as people get older? Um, I, I don't use uh, a lot of the, I know about some of the uh, things one i think it's called backbone or back they use it for like golfers for golfer posture but it basically okay. uh, you strap it on you put it on like a backpack yeah and it helps you it kind of pushes you forward so you're standing more erect or yeah. if you're a golfer you're going to be maintained uh slightly kind of hunched over posture but it keeps you um up and back so the biggest thing on, on posture is uh like I, I like to tell people is that where your eyes go is usually where your body follows so if my eyes are always down you're going to have a curved back you're going to start to kind of lean uh so we work on a lot of like banded um band resisted i call them like uh open uh like pulls we pull the band kind of rip it apart to open up our our chest strengthen up our mm-hmm. upper back anything kind of back related um, strengthening that area and also working on as you're sitting uh, at your desk, kind of like where I'm at now, it's easy to get to where we kind of lean over. Yes. We can, we kind of slouch, but if you can stay tall, squeeze your stomach in tight, almost like I were, you know, punching it through your belly button and, and staying erect this way is going to be much better because yes, I do see a lot of people that have poor posture and we try to work on it, work on it, work on it. But you got to think if your posture has been bad for five years, it's going to take a lot longer to get it better just because you've been in, you've been in a compromised position for such a long time. Yeah. So So when you walk, should your, should your vision be pretty much on the horizon? I would argue. Yes. Some would probably say you could look, you know, maybe slightly down, but vision wise for what I do is if your vision goes down and up all the time, your balance usually goes with the two. So if you're um, looking kind of out, maybe forward and slightly down, mm-hmm. uh, it could be a better way because sometimes looking too far out, kind of neutral distance, um, you may feel like you're kind of like pushing your head forward. Okay. Um, so that, that forward, I say forward posture, maybe slightly tilted down. So that way you can, you still have kind of retracted back with your 
your neck and you're not so protruding out like a turtle poking its head out of the shell. Yeah. Uh, with that. I so, really so, like running. Uh, and I also like walking. Uh, what are your thoughts on running? And one of the things on the show is a lot of people always mention, you know, hey, if you can walk an hour a day and keep that up pretty much every day, that's going to really do a lot to help you be fit. What are your comments on those things? Yeah, I agree with that. Not every not run, running is not for everyone. And it's more of a, um, I would say, um, you can talk to a hundred different orthopedics and they're going to give you a hundred different answers. But um, my, my thought on running is if it doesn't hurt, do it. If you, and by hurt, I mean joint pain, discomfort, your hips hurt, your back hurts, your knees hurt, your ankles hurt. Um, long-term wise, it may be more beneficial for you to walk. Um, I ran today for the first time in probably two years. Uh, did it feel great when I was doing it? Yes. Am I sorted already? Yes. So uh, I'm a big believer and do do what works for you. If it doesn't hurt, do it. Uh, but you can get, I mean, equal beneficial. You, you've got uh, people running marathons in their 80s. Um, they're doing it for a long period of time. But you got to think the deterioration of your joints and the tendons and everything. Some people tend to kind of fold a little bit quicker than others, or they may, the, the meniscus may start to wear down and now it's bone on bone. So now you've got to think, is walking more beneficial for me now or running so you kind of have to do uh what's better for me in the moment uh with that um so it it comes back to that everybody's different right yeah i've got for sure i've got some who cannot run just because their joints are artificial now what's better for them is using the elliptical because it's nice and smooth there's no pain or discomfort walking on the treadmill destroys them and walking they can walk outside but it's just that inter intermittent, like uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill uh, with that. Yeah. And uh, you, what usually gets for most is kind of the knees uh, and the ankles uh, as far as they're right. running with yeah, that. Yeah, that so, all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's just the way, the, the, the ground and pound of being on pavement or um, I used to like running uh, outside on the grass. You kind of mm -hmm. get a little bit more movement, a little bit more muscle activation, but not everybody has a flat surface to go run on grass, so. Uh, it's kind of back to yeah, yeah kind of back to the old uh the five finger toe shoes remember those yes do where, i do where you you kind of you you feel kind of at one with the ground and every you're getting more muscle tendon activation so it was tend to be better but it's almost like running barefoot yeah it is yeah yeah my other word is metabolism and as we get older it feels like our metabolism changes so much and and sometimes i feel like geez i could go and just eat a salad every day for a week and i don't know if i'd still lose weight or not because of my metabolism <laughs> what are your thoughts on metabolism uh yeah i think it does change and I, I feel like there's what what typically changes is as we um as we get older in my opinion as we we feel like it's a lot and it is a lot harder to lose so therefore sometimes we do too restrictive dieting or too restrictive so then for we kind of tank our metabolism in a way so uh, for, for most um, for most of my women, it's more or less of like, they don't eat enough. And women listening may be, oh my gosh, I eat a ton. Um, but what, what comes down to is it's restricted, not eating enough. And it's not so much calories, it's the amount of carbs, fats, and proteins that they need for that energy, energy boosting or that long-term energy over a um, daily um, like span of a day. So typically, this is what's fine that works for for my clientele is if we boost that to two to three hundred calories more, 
oh my god it's a miracle we, we're starting to lose weight we've got more energy and um you know they're not a sloth so it, it's it it's usually like um it varies person to person some people can eat whatever and do whatever in the 40s and 50s and seem like they don't have a problem uh with it so it does fluctuate and you know hormones play a lot into that i think a lot too i don't have a proficient background in that but if you talk to some people the hormones and genetics and a lot of different things it happens over time um and so i think that can be hurtful for a lot but there's also other ways to kind of boost that too and and one of them that i'm starting to learn more about is that intermittent fasting mm -hmm. to, to, re to revitalize that metabolism burn the fat and then um you know increase that energy intake so that way you feel revitalized you sleep better you feel better you've got your blood pressures you know the best has been in years and you've just got increased energy so that's, that's something i'm looking looking forward to kind of diving a little bit more as far as like boosting metabolism long term so yeah yeah that makes sense aaron i've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time and i always ask my uh interviewees about this topic and of course if you're being bullied or if you had been bullied in the past that can really affect your well-being when it comes to fitness and health do you have any thoughts or stories about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference um if i would have probably thought about it years ago um I was, I would say semi-bullied. We lived, we were, so we lived on an Indian reservation for five years and we were kind of the minority, um, uh, uh, there. So there's very, very few Caucasian people, um, with that. So I, I think if, if, I guess if I were maybe smarter, a little bit brighter, it was young, I was in middle school, uh, yeah. with that. So it was more of a, um, kind of ticked off moment. So I think if, if I would have maybe, been able to kind of take that in and and maybe um i don't say journal about it or write things down that were agitating or um maybe annoying about the situation it might have been i don't say resolved quicker um but i was kind of a overweight middle school kid and this guy was twice my size so um i think if, if i would have been in the moment and known about it more I think, yes, it would have been helpful. It probably would have dissolved, not dissolved, but it would have been kind of suppressed a little bit more so it wouldn't happen as frequent. And I, I'm not saying it was like bad bullying. It was just more or less, you know, hey, you're the outcast. You're you're not you're not from this area. We're going to punch you. We're going to do this um, sort of thing. But I, I think from those moments uh, is kind of where I got into more like working out. Like that's not going to happen again. I've got to be big enough, strong enough to where I can, you know, get my mind right. So I don't have to encounter these situations uh, yeah, as I get older. Go. Yeah. As I get yeah. older. Yeah. And Mindful Tribe, the website is premierperformancetrainer.com. The book is The Athletic Advantage, 10 Lessons to Becoming a Premier Athlete by Aaron Hines. So Aaron, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a really powerful influence in your life when it comes to mindfulness? Um, it would probably be my, my dad. Um, he was a, um, just quick, um, he was a pastor for a long time. So learning how to, if it's more prayer, not a lot of meditation, but just trying to find ways to control the situation. 
and be mm-hmm. kind of present in the moment. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Learning learning those things from um, re- religious background has been mm-hmm. super helpful. Um, just kind of be at peace and be be stress free. Uh, I try that more and more now because um, my stress level sometimes gets pretty high and I get pretty anxious and irritable. Right. Well, it makes sense that you do those things because you do seem pretty grounded and and uh, like I said before, you seem like a real person, and no wonder you can help so many people with with their issues. Let's talk about um, emotions. So, as far as your emotions are concerned, how have you found that mindfulness or having a level of mindfulness can help you with your emotions? I think it probably helps me keep them uh, even keel. Um, at kind of a mid-level, I think not having those, um, I guess, ways to kind of re-evaluate mindfulness or just trying to, um, you know, maybe meditation or, or whatever whatever I tend to choose or on a daily basis. I think if I didn't have those things, I would be probably all over the place. I, I get pretty hot-headed and unfre- not very frequently, but if it, if it builds up over time, it's like... Uh, it's like a pot boiling over. It's, mm. it's not good for for a temporary. It's a short period of time, but having those things to be more mindful and being grateful for the things uh, that I have and 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 like, I think that's helpful. Because if not, it's it's not good. It's just kind of a uh, it's like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about breathing. This is something we haven't talked about. And when we talk about health and fitness, breathing is usually part of the conversation. What are your thoughts? Um, man, I, I wish I did it more. That's my thought. Um, yeah. uh, kind of kind of control breathing. Um, I get anxious about a lot of things. And so I found that, you know, closing my eyes and maybe counting to 15 to 20 is, is super helpful. It kind of releases those things that uh, kind of got me bent out of shape for a minute. Um, but, but maybe doing a little bit more of that would probably be more beneficial for me. Um, just the different things, uh, you know, I, I kind of come in contact with. I'm, I'm dealing with other people's issues on a daily basis. I'm dealing with other, um, you know, whether it's coming from a political background or religious background, you know, you see different people uh, and different ethnicities every day coming to the gym. So everybody has things they come to the gym with, and sometimes it's left with me. So I'm just trying mm-hmm. to find find those ways um, to release that and let, not let it be mine, right? Yeah. If you take on yeah. other people's problems, it become your problems and your problems become bigger than you think. Yeah, like, you're right yeah. about that, for sure. So the, the breathing uh, is helpful. Yeah, for sure. Well, I recommend your book, The Athletic Advantage. Are there any other books you would recommend that can help people? Uh, books in general, I... I I don't, I read, but I, I kind of dabble here and there. So I, I'm big on the um, kind of journaling mode of um, writing it down. Reading is great, but there's only so much we can retain on a lot of those topics. So mm-hmm. um, one I use, and this is just personal preference, I, I've done the 75 hard challenge. Where you, where oh, you, so have I. Yeah. Wow, so it's interesting. So uh, uh, they have a, a journal where it's more of a, um, the five things, I think it's more mindfulness or maybe it's gratefulness things that you do on a daily basis. And um, you can write those things down. And I think it's helpful to kind of put it out on paper and then kind of revisit that at the end of the day. And then you then you look at it and say, well, what did I did I accomplish? 
Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I accomplish those things I set out to, to do? Or was I so scatterbrained by not, um, you know, staying on track that I got, you know, it looks like a bunch of scribble marks on my paper uh, with that. So that, that's one thing for me that's been helpful. I read with my attention spans, you know, about 10 pages and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's a lot of, a lot of those uh, books I, I kind of, I've read probably to page 50 and then I don't finish them. So that's just yeah. self, self-admission. So, um, but I, I think the journal, the journal side of that, having a daily uh, thing to write those things down has been more helpful than actually uh, reading uh, a lot of the different books. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, I think journaling is so powerful. I really agree with you there. And my last question, are there any apps that have helped you or that you sometimes recommend that are related to this in any way? Uh, in the past, I've used the Calm app just to kind of like... Um, you know, it's setting the mood or the the tone of whatever you want to listen to and kind of just, um, I best to just chill out, take a nap 30 minutes and then pop back up. Um, there's some things I do. Um, I'll maybe just listen to a book on tape uh, mm-hmm. with some of those. So I say Audible is a good one for me. Uh, find some of those books and just 10 minutes, 20 minutes, just kind of let everything go. Listen to something that's totally outside of, you know, what I would probably typically do and then kind of you know come back to reality in 20 minutes and then focus on what i have to do the rest of the day um i think so those two have been pretty helpful yeah good advice good advice well you have really shared a ton of stuff with us today aaron i really appreciate it i appreciate the things you do as we wrap up the interview do you have any final words of advice for our mindful tribe listeners yeah, the, the biggest thing I would say is to find one thing that you you can stick to for the mindfulness, uh, say, I say training, uh, what where you find helpful. Uh, I find that um, sometimes just sitting in my chair, closing my eyes and uh, counting county to 10 to 20 or uh, here recently, I've been doing uh, going to the sauna, relaxation, making sure that I am tuning everything else out, having that moment for myself, but also uh, being in the moment and, and kind of clearing your head of everything that's going on outside of um, what you typically would uh, deal with on a daily basis uh, yeah. with that. So find one thing and stick with it. That's it. That's the biggest thing. That is great advice. Aaron, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. I really appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye now. See you later. Yeah. See ya. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me today and thanks for helping out with the YouTube channel as well. Maybe you've visited it, maybe you've subscribed, maybe you've liked some of the videos, or maybe you're just hearing about it now for the first time. You can find it on YouTube. Just search Mindfulness Mode Podcast or you can go to this URL, mindfulnessmode.com slash tv and that will take you directly to the youtube channel i'd appreciate it if you have a look at it and maybe you have some comments or thoughts and you could subscribe that would be great thank you again for joining today and uh, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode